You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Welcome, my name is Michael Graham. I'm one of the pastors of the village, and today we are jumping into a teaching roundtable recap. And this is session two. Uh, this past week, we talked about information versus transformation, uh, and, and in particular, informational versus transformational teaching. With me today is Scott O'Donohue. I'm one of the pastors of the village as well. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's up? You doing all right? I'm doing okay. Excellent. And also, I'm going to kick it over, and uh, Kelly's going to introduce herself, and then she's going to kind of roll with some questions for us. I'm Kelly O'Donohue. I'm a member here at The Village, and I teach um, a monthly group for women and some other things. And so we are going to talk today, as Michael said, about informational versus transformational teaching from our roundtable this past Sunday. And just as a reminder, in case you haven't been there or didn't listen last month, guys, what is the teaching roundtable? Why are we even doing it as a church? Ooh, that's great. Teaching Roundtable is a space to grow together as faithful teachers of God's Word. Um, yeah, it's really that. We have some stuff that we look at in advance, some resources, some links. It's not something that you have to like jump in, you're all or nothing, you know, some uh, really intensive cohort or anything like that, but it's monthly. We get together the third Sunday, right? Third yep. Sunday of yep. the month after gathering for about 90 minutes. And um, so there's a, a group you can kind of get in if you want to see those things in advance. We process that a little bit, and then we come together and just synthesize, kick it around. It's in literally a few round tables. We have some interaction and stuff, so it's not lecture, large or anything like that. Although Scott would tell you differently. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I had it my way. I would I, lecture the whole time. I, uh, I led the first one. Scott led this past one. Kelly's going to lead the next one. And so it's been fun so far. Yes. Two down. We're all learning, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's been good. So. I've had a lot of fun with it, for sure. Our hope is that if you are already teaching, it could be a resource to you just to help you grow in that ability, and if you're someone who maybe wants to teach or thinks you might want to teach, it could be a space for you to come learn as well, hang out with other people who are trying to do the same, and grow in your abilities. So as we said now, this month's topic was informational versus transformational, transformational teaching, <laughs> yeah. led by Scott. Um, Scott, how would you... After our time on Sunday and after all of your prep, how would you define each of these terms and what are the goals of them? Yeah, so informational teaching uh, being really about like increasing the like someone's understanding or knowledge of the scriptures because we're talking not not just about teaching in general, but you know teaching from the scriptures. So uh, yeah, increasing understanding, knowledge, giving that to people that are there. Um, transformational teaching would be like facilitating. Uh, maturity in Christ, an increased maturity in Christ using the scriptures and the gospel and those things as well. So that's kind of how I would define both of those loosely in some ways. So one, yeah, the goal is to, to increase knowledge and understanding. The other one is to increase or facilitate really um, an increase in, in maturity in Christ. So. Yeah, that's good. And I like that you pointed out on Sunday, one of these is not the bad guy and one is the good guy. They each have their place and they're both things that we should want to do as teachers. Mm -hmm. So how would you guys, or what are some places or how are some ways that you might use each of these kinds of teaching? Not you specifically, but teachers within the church. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, 
I had some long, robust, you know, very yeah, accurate your... answers or whatever <laughs> yeah. before. And then by the time I got here, it was like very simple, like <laughs> informational, like knowledge transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Transformational teaching for change, mm-hmm. like with a goal to yes. like move something somewhere. And I also had that we might present them mature in Christ. And so, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So um, not just change for change sake and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the informational, I mean, you think of... One just you have to you have to understand the scriptures, and so you think of not just a seminary con- mm-hmm. content, but like you look at like lecture or even just reading to to gain knowledge about the scriptures as a whole or about uh, systematic theology, particular elements of you know like who God is. Like we we get to know those, and we get to teach those. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else <laughs> is really teaching for change because. Yeah. I don't think Jesus, well, I don't want to jump the gun, but, you know, like, Jesus was not just telling people information so that they might say, oh, that was really neat, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and if he was only a good teacher, which people say that he, then, then, like, he failed his mission. Absolutely. And he, he didn't fail his mission. He sends us on the same mission, and it's to, to do more than just share information. So Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think of what you do at Rooted, <clears throat> Kelly, um, you know, not that it's not transformational, but I think what you're the series that you're currently in as we're recording this, kind of laying the groundwork for history and timeline of the Old Testament and the intertestamental period and the New Testament. For me, like, I mean, is there like uh, obvious transformational bits there? Well, like, no, you can get there with yeah. the teaching, but you're also laying some groundwork that increases biblical literacy so that when people then come to the scriptures in their own Bible reading or preaching on Sunday or in community group or whatever, like there's a, a proper context and information from which then to like help facilitate Christ-like transformation, right? And so yeah. I think that's the, to, to your point, like, yeah, the yeah, informational teaching is not bad and transform, transformational teaching is good. All transformational teaching is informational, yeah. Um, but not all informational teaching is transformational. Like that information is super important. <laughs> to spur transformation. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, what you do in Rooted is helpful. Even, like, meeting with a uh, uh, somebody who maybe doesn't know that much about the Scriptures. Like, if you're mm-hmm. getting coffee with somebody or meeting with somebody for discipleship or whatever, you know, like, if they don't know the first thing about, like, what's going on in the Bible or why this book matters or where it fits into whatever's going on or what this word means, then that information is necessary and helpful for them to actually grow and mature in Christ. So, um, yeah. So I think like information in general serves the greater purpose of being transformed into the image of Christ. Um, yeah. And and I think that they kind of share space most of the time by and large, you know, that's a really good point. Usually you don't find transformational teaching apart from information, but they might lean heavily one way or the other. There's mm-hmm. probably a couple of instances. I think someone brought up like a seminary class, which we're not teaching here at the village. But if you were to go to seminary, those are probably going to be informational right. type teaching. But for the most part, we want people to be transformed by the information that they get from the Bible. Absolutely. So I thought that was a good um, way to distinguish the two on mm-hmm. Sunday. So Scott, you had us during the course of our time on Sunday look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read that quickly, starting in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I was glad that we looked at that and we had a really good discussion around it. What did the participants point out to be the difference between teaching everything Jesus commanded versus doing what the text says, which is teaching to observe everything that Jesus commanded? And what are the dangers of getting this wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good question. Um, one is just thinking about uh, teaching to observe, like for us to think about what it means to help someone not just know what Jesus taught, but then actually like actually embody that and live it out throughout their life. Like you have to be mindful of just the people that you're teaching. Like that's a huge yeah. thing because if you're focused on uh, just the content, I mean, you can just tell anybody, hey, Jesus said, you know, don't murder, don't lust, love your neighbor. You can tell anybody that and it fits. But when it comes to then like helping those people and observe that, um, you have to be mindful of who your here is as well. And so you have to, to speak that and help facilitate that in a specific person's life who has, you know, their own context and their own personality, their own sin, uh, their own gifts and talents and, you know, opportunities and stuff like that. And so, yeah, you, you get to be more mindful of the hearer, not just the content of what you're saying. So that's one, yeah. that's one distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think one obstacle for, for us just in the text ex- itself mm-hmm. was like observe mm-hmm. doesn't mean to like move your glasses down on your nose and like <laughs> look, look, look at Right. But, yeah, that's true. but I, th- I mean, I think, um, uh, Eugene Peterson, he, he like paraphrases, he says, then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. And certainly that was the distinction that you're making, I think, Scott, right. not just to like look at it versus, te- you know. <laughs> yeah. the, the idea is, you know, teaching them everything versus showing them how to live in it. Yeah. Right. So um, one thought, like the Pharisees and demons could teach it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they know it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just frightening yeah. on the front. You're like, oh, yes. gosh. You know, but they were certainly not transformed by it, and they were mm-hmm. they were certainly not living right. it out. And so the distinction is knowing the things versus uh, matters of the heart being living it, living in it, uh, following him as a way of life mm-hmm. versus, like, just being aware of what he has done or whatever. Yeah. Somebody else has talked about the fact that it makes it as well like a it's a it's a, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Like it's not a that was good. You know, like I could say, this is what Jesus taught. There you go, <laughs> and then I'm done. You know what I mean? Like the Great Commission is just me regurgitating the commands of Jesus, and now I'm done because yeah. I've already told you. But if it is, uh, if the the Great Commission is the observation of those things, teaching people to observe that. Like, it's not just this personal embodiment, but that's, it's a personal embodiment over time, right? So it's trying to transfer that way of life to someone else um, over the course of their life. Because at no point on this side of heaven or Jesus coming back or any of us done being sanctified and growing right. and maturing in Christ. And so that's just an ongoing thing that we get to be a part of. So it, it changes even the the scope of the Great Commission, not not in terms of like, you know, it's going to the nations, obviously, yeah. but like the scope in terms of how long it takes to fulfill yes. that. It's a, it's a lifelong commission that God has given us for one another, you know, and that that requires of us 
all sorts of things as as the teacher on the on the teaching side and on the receiving side all sorts mm-hmm. of patience and all the fruit of the spirit uh, are involved in that as well so and reminds us that the teacher is still learning as well we are mm-hmm. also still learning how to observe all that Jesus commanded it's yeah. it's not a one way street there absolutely for sure my table had a good discussion about this some of the same things you guys were talking about that you know you and even it makes me when you guys refer to like a seminary class as the informational teaching it makes me think of I'm sure we all know people who have gone to a Bible college, so to speak, mm-hmm. and have graduated and walked away and have not followed Jesus, not followed Jesus a day in their life. Mm-hmm. Like you can know all the things. And then on the flip side, my table talked about, and I think I just always think of this, again, I don't know if this is true for guys, but I know in women's ministry world, there's a lot of resources that are very passionate about what they're teaching and women jump on board and they line up and they buy the books and they go to the conferences and they're teaching half truths. Mm-hmm. It's not based on what Jesus. So they're they're observing something. They think that they're following the man named Jesus, but if you compare it to the scriptures, it's really not. It's not what he taught. And so I think that's kind of the other ditch in this conversation is you can be really passionately following this person you think is Jesus, and it's not. Yeah. And so we that's again back to the first point. We have to have both. Yeah. And it's you know dangerous on either side. I remember you. I think it was probably in a podcast. I think quoting Vanderstelt or somebody. It was talking about like, oh, they had like somebody in his church asked him, hey, we finished reading through James, like what should we read next? And he was basically like, oh, so you've like, you're, you're applying all of James. <laughs> oh, you're caring for the widow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> but I mean, that's the point. Like, yeah. what next? Yeah. Well, it's, well I mean, you, you can, I mean, you, you should probably read, you know, other books. That's sure, fine. Yeah. But it's like, that, that like drives home the point of like, oh, so you have understood some things that James wrote. Yeah. So what? Like, yeah. Well, that's, I think, people teaching to, we'll get into, I think, what change looks like and where it comes from, which is yeah. the gospel. But you can you can aim for transformation, but apart from accurate information, apart from knowing what, what it is that Jesus actually, in order for you to, to teach yeah. people to observe what Jesus taught, you have to get right <laughs> what it is that Jesus taught. Absolutely. Um, and so, like, you can aim for application all day long, and we probably all heard and you know, witness been there, maybe even given uh, messages, sermons, whatever, that uh, are, are application heavy, but the application actually isn't rooted <laughs> in anything biblical or the change doesn't come from the gospel or any of those things at all. Like that is kind of what you're, I think, alluding to is there's a ditch of, hey, like you want to change your life? Here's, here's where you go. Here, here's how to do that. Here's what you need to know, and it's not information that's rooted in Christ. But it might sound real close. (laughs) But it it might sound Jesus-y, and it might sound like it's from the Bible, um, but that's where we have to to have right information Mm -hmm. in order to, like, breed and cultivate right transformation, you know? Definitely. I like that line. Any other thoughts on that? Great Commission, dangers. I mean, I think, you know, to put it succinctly and connect it directly with Matthew 28, the goal of teaching really is discipleship like i think it puts teaching in the context of of discipleship like that is why you do rooted that's why we preach on sunday mornings that's why we lead group conversations that's why we get together with people throughout the week you know and talk to them about jesus and their life and all those things because it's all about discipleship that is the great commission so just to make that that connection clear (laughs) we we teach in order to make disciples Good yeah. point. Mm-hmm. You used a really helpful illustration on Sunday about your family's castle. It's in great <laughs> shape in Ireland. Do yeah. you want to tell us that illustration? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just a, a non-teaching illustration to help uh, bring to light the difference between 
like thinking about informational teaching versus transformational teaching. Um, yeah, like my dad and I, uh, our last name is O'Donohoe, and so um, that that doesn't give it away. We're in Irish, like our roots are in Ireland. Uh, the O apostrophe. I've been saying O'Donohue um, for the last eleven years. <laughs> I've cringed every time. No. Um, Even my kids. Are I get that a lot. That. I know, right? Uh, Scott O'Donohue. No, <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't. I'm callous to it by now. Uh, so yeah, we we have roots in Ireland, and so my dad and I, we've you know dug into hey maybe like where did we come from? Do we have family somewhere? And we've kind of narrowed down the area where kind of our family at least has seemingly like the biggest amount of roots uh, in uh, Killarney uh, over in Ireland, and there's a, a a lake, Ross Lake, and Ross Castle um, on Ross Island, and that's a castle that supposedly our family built at some point and now it lies in ruins and was slightly rebuilt for a bed and breakfast because our ancestors gave up uh, when they were attacked at one point. So it's a really great history. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've uh, yeah, we've researched all that stuff and learned about it and we have a desire someday to go there. Um, but the, the to, to think about just learning about where we came from and what that place was like and what it is like and all that stuff that's that's a different process from than us saying, okay, now this is the year that we're going to go. And so what the information that we have to gather yeah. and the preparation that we have to make and the things that we need to do and even the goal is different for us to, to, to think about going from point A to point B. That's different than just kind of sitting back and observing from afar and gathering information. And so that is, uh, in my brain at least, like, helpful illustration for me when it comes to informational teaching versus transformational teaching. There's just a whole, there's a, a whole other process involved when it comes to trying to take people from point A yes. to point B in their sanctification, um, in their maturity in Christ, or at least to facilitate that, um, that, that process, that goal, that, um, yeah, that, that whole thing is just, is different in many ways than simply saying, ah, just let me tell you about Jesus Definitely. <laughs> D- disembodied from your life. So, yeah. I thought that was really helpful on Sunday and going forward. Uh, so we identified various obstacles to transformation. So we've established now there are places for information-only teaching, but for the most part, we want informational teaching that then helps people be transformed to um, be like Jesus. And so there are different obstacles, though, that our hearers have in terms of hearing transformational teaching, and we talked about those extensively on Sunday. Uh, let's see what my question is here. Um, but, okay, so we said the obstacles might impact how we teach or even how we're preparing to teach. What were some of the obstacles that people identified and how might we attempt to address those and the different levels of teaching? So just a reminder what I mean by that. Um, last month we talked from Tim Keller's book on preaching. He identifies three different levels of teaching. Level one being like preaching or kind of formal expos- exposition, that's mm-hmm. the word. Uh, two would be like a small group or a class or maybe a community group. And then three would just be the typical one-to-one or conversations that every Christian should have in the midst of their life. So at those different levels, what are the obstacles people might have to transformational teaching or to hearing transformational teaching? Mm-hmm. And how might we attempt to address those? Yeah. Uh, I think it's helpful to even maybe back up and say, you know, to Michael's point earlier, what this whole idea of transformational teaching assumes is that there's change involved yeah. um, the going from point A to point B you know there's there's some change that's happening that we're expecting or wanting to facilitate and so we have to know when it comes to transformational teaching like you know, wh- what is being changed yeah. <laughs> like well, what is the thing that needs to be addressed here when we're looking at a text or whatever but then also to know like how like how that's being changed 
And so when we look at like what's being changed, it's probably like our belief about something. It's our the way that we behave in some way, or even just our internal motivation, you know, around that stuff. And uh, we talked about how like man, you can have two different people that are doing the same exact thing um, on the outside, but they're doing it for very different mm-hmm. motivations internally. And sometimes that's where the scriptures get us and hit us the hardest. It's because yeah. we're we're doing maybe right things on the outside, like the Pharisees, um, that uh, that really is not like driven by internal right uh, worship mm-hmm. or right love for neighbor for the Lord. And so uh, those are that that's kind of what could happen on, on the outside or the inside, but then how that goes about being changed um, we watched a kind of a video in preparation for this whole topic. Um, it was a quick 10 minute little video by Paul Tripp. Uh, and he kind of laid out, um, some key components of what change looks like or how people actually change. Uh, and he talked about confession, repentance, and faith, like those three things being essential components to actually helping people change. He said, you can't confess, uh, what you haven't grieved. You can't grieve what you haven't seen, uh, and you can't repent of what you haven't uh, confessed. And so confession in some ways being this, Hey, I see that this is wrong and I'm going Mm -hmm. to then, you know, address it as such repentance, understanding that this is like a, there's something inward. The the problem is not out there, but the problem is in me. Um, and then, uh, in faith, then like seeing that there is hope and help on the outside Mm -hmm. from Jesus. So that's kind of the, the, the process that he lays out. And then, so we kind of addressed like the obstacles that then come about, in our transformational teaching to each of those components. So like what gets in the way of confession, what gets in the way of repentance, what gets in the way of, of faith, you know, as we're talking to somebody else. And so, um, I've talked for a couple of minutes. Anybody want to hit on some of the obstacles for confession? Michael does, but first, can you link yeah. that video in the show notes? Yes, I will do that. Yeah, like it's really good. It's no, really good. Do, I mean, no, cause I don't want to answer. I just wanted to say you should link that Paul Tripp video yeah. in the show notes. No, I will. <laughs> Uh, what were you talking about, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> he fell asleep while no, I was talking. No, I, I was just so. trying to construct up. thoughts. Uh, no, I mean, I can I can read through the list of... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead and hit on that. Yeah. Then, yeah. Guys, people might be bored of my voice. I'm bored of my voice. So, <laughs> um, so some of the uh, um, like obstacles that people uh, suggested on Sunday to confession um, is, first of all, which is really good to acknowledge, like they just may not even know that what they're doing is wrong yeah. or out of unbelief. You know, they might not know that what they're believing, how they're living, that their motivation is actually off in some way, which is kind of huge. And that is where, like, again, informational teaching is really helpful. <laughs> they might just need to know. Um, I mean, in genuinely, some way. I know we're mostly talking about level one and two on this podcast, yeah. but I spend my. I'm a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling my kids, and so this makes me think of parenting. Mm-hmm. Half the battle in parenting is having my kids understand that what you just did maybe was wrong and why it was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And they're not, I mean, and I've tried, you know, I've done the whole like, well, say you're sorry, but then I'm trying to step back and be like, well, you don't have to say you're sorry if you're not sorry, but you need to acknowledge that what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's for, I mean, for yeah. adult believers, it's the same. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge that what we're doing is wrong. Absolutely. I mean, t- can I interject there? Please. Please. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I guess it backs us up or moves us forward. Like, <laughs> like, Though this is not to be assumed, I guess, Mm -hmm. sadly, like the word is paramount. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I mean, to your point, Kelly, of like, oh, thousands of women flocking to hear an author talk about a book that is allegedly leading someone to follow Jesus. um, If that's your starting point, then you, I mean, I guess, I guess it could be an on-ramp. 
Sure. All right. It could be an on-ramp. Okay. Well, gosh, that was really powerful speech or mm-hmm. a chapter or book or whatever. And so, but but if if that is not merely an on-ramp mm-hmm. to get you in like the highway of the way of Christ, yeah. then we miss. And so, I mean, I guess if we're looking at higher level, if you're preparing a talk, maybe if we can like do that. Sure. If you're preparing a talk, um, and that's not just the living room. <clears throat> I mean, I I guess. I don't, I don't know if it's if, if I'm just being like uh, <laughs> sticky about this, but like you start with the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's not sticky. No, I mean you, you <laughs> but it's not to be assumed. Like you yeah. start with the Bible, and and then you say, where does this change? Like mm-hmm. you start with the Word, and then you look at the implications, and you look at who's in the room, and you look at all those things. So you 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 have to show them what's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let the implications take that content to their hearts mm-hmm. um, or their brains. And some people like are. This is what I've learned. Me and maybe you, Scott. Maybe you, Kelly. I, I don't know. Like our hearts. My my heart follows my brain. Mm-hmm. Some people's brain follows their heart. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. oh, that's frightening. But like that's a thing. <laughs> I'm mindful of that as a teacher. And, and honestly, chatting with um, Angie Dickin. Just about her, her writing and whatever, like ah, emotions are a path for transformation, um, and I don't just mean emotional teaching or whatever. Yeah. I just mean some people you have to grip them so yeah, that their brain can follow. And so yeah. that's like okay, that's like I'm I'm apprehensive, but that's helpful. Yeah. Anyway, I say that all to, all that <clears throat> to say, like we have to show them what's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. For you at home with your kids. You might see what's not true first as a starting point. Yeah. But ultimately, you get to, and maybe not in every single moment as we talked about, <laughs> but over the course of parenting, show them how whatever that behavior was, whatever that attitude, you know, manipulation, whatever it was that you saw, how that is undone by the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That's all transformation. Yeah. If you're teaching primarily, if you're, if you're preaching, if you're leading a group, if you're whatever... You should start with the word and let mm. the implications flow from that. Yeah. If you're sitting down across from the couch, you know, in marriage counseling, um, one-on-one counseling discipleship, where you're checking in on somebody and you hear stuff, then you see the problem mm-hmm. in which the word moves into transform. Yeah, that's a good point. more stuff. In there. No, it's a good thing not to assume like any of those things. And I'll hit on this towards the end, but just where our confidence comes from yeah. as teachers and all this stuff, and where our hope lies and power and all that stuff like it does not lie in our wisdom <laughs> or what we think mm-hmm. and so like if the people that are hearing you whether that's kids uh spouse whether that's an audience or a congregation or whatever if they think that you're the authority on that and they don't know that they, they can't see after you've finished speaking how the scriptures have spoken to this and how that how they're authoritative then like that's a, a bit of a miss yeah. in some ways, especially again couched in discipleship, where we want to help other people mature mm-hmm. and see the word as authoritative and help them see what the word says on their own. Yeah, you know, so that they can pass it on to others and so on and so forth. So yeah, yeah. I got some rapid fire in this little go section. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, so along those lines, we get to show them what's true. Uh, these are some of the things that I think we said. Mm-hmm. We get to show them their end. So maybe just tease out, like, how's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, or, or if you live in such a way, let me show you your end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, from the wisdom of the scriptures. Yeah. 
uh, or the the judgment of God in His wrath. Yeah, or, you know sure. whatever that is. Um, you we get to give them a greater vision for the fullness of life, mm-hmm. and and that's where you, you're like. Yeah, you get, get to give them a greater vision for the fullness of life that Christ offers mm-hmm. um, and that he has already accomplished so that we might walk in that. Mm-hmm. So just real practically, some of the obstacles as a teacher, you might just share too many things. Mm-hmm. You might open a text and you said so many things that it's like, there, there's not even room for transformation because yeah. you just, you Me know. every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, you might say it in a way that doesn't show it. And I think we hit on that in the yeah. class. Uh-huh. Um, and this is me, uh, someone has a revelation that they tell me that Matt Chandler, you know, said in an Instagram reel that was eight seconds long <laughs> that I've said undoubtedly 250 times in the last yeah. decade. And they, they have this revelation. And you're like, what? How is it? How yeah. is this even real life? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But again, the confidence is never in me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, whatever happened, whatever the spirit was up to, so all that to say is saying it is not the same thing as letting someone see it. Absolutely. Gosh, that's true. <sighs> yes. Good. I mean, no, I, I just think that's, if you're li- especially if you're listening to this as someone who likes teaching or yeah. enjoys explaining things, who sees connections in the scriptures or likes to find them and discover them, like if that's a, a gift that God has given you, that's a wonderful thing. Um, and it's a gift that he's given you to help illuminate others as they try to follow Jesus, like that same stuff. But I think it's really easy for those of us who are wired that way to then, to then assume that everyone else also sees those things <laughs> as easily. And so our job really is like, is to to help paint a picture and help people see it, see see things that maybe come slightly easier to us naturally or supernaturally. Like we get to try to help people see that like on their own in some ways. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that is kind of the work of a teacher. So just even speak to that a little bit. Because I, I think I, I have had many conversations with many people who are just like, you get frustrated that other people don't see what, what they're seeing in Half their life or in the scriptures. Half with me. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, but, but even in myself too, you know, like I want people to see what I see and get excited about what I get excited about and all those, but that's not always just what happens, you know, because we have a, it is a teaching gift if God has given you that. It's not something that everyone else has. So make it clear, bring it to bear. Yeah. If you can do that, dude, I, I mean, I'll, uh, Elise Debink came up to me. How old is Elise? 10, 9, young? 11. Yeah. I so didn't she, know that. So she came up to me, um, like, nervously someday after gathering and was like, uh, I, actually, Irie came over, my daughter, and was like, hey, I, I think Elise has something, mm. you know, whatever. <laughs> and Elise was like, I just wanted to say thanks for um, making the word clear so that I could understand it or whatever. And I was just sweet. like, my heart's like you know just I just affirmed her uh, in her affirmation of me yeah Um, but but that is the struggle you know what I mean Um, one just other on the quick hitters this is the last one they're not so quick at this point Um, (laughs) because I think this is a cultural problem being a running commentary on a text uh, is not necessarily faithful Bible teaching Mm -hmm. and I say that as someone who, who has been accused of not expositing the scriptures, mm-hmm. because what someone thinks expositing the scriptures is um, virtually reading them and talking about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you can do that in a way that I, I I would dare say is unfaithful to bring it to bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like teaching the scriptures and, and to the point, Scott, that you set up, mm-hmm. a running commentary, hey, this is what it 
observe it, see it, say it in yeah. another way. Observe it, see it, say it, pray, and let's go home or have an altar call at the end or what, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, that is different than teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Right. That's true. And it's the di- that is the difficulty. And all these things, well, they don't, they're not aware or they don't bear the weight of their own sin. It's yeah. because, like, and, and again, it's the work of the Spirit and the Spirit using gifted teachers of the Bible to make things clear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just saying the things, but bringing it to bear, or as we say regularly, into the living room of the lives of the people that are hearing whatever it is that you're sharing. Yeah. I mean, exposing the Scripture is exposing. <laughs> it's exposing the Scriptures, and I would say it's unfaithful to then not let the Scriptures do what they are supposed to do, which is expose us, right? Like that's Hebrews 4. The word is... Uh, living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the... Like, it, it's supposed to lay us bare naked before the Lord. Like, where we cannot... We can't be not seen any parts of us before Him. That we might go to Him in grace and mercy for the help, you know, for help in time of need. Like, we get to do that because of Jesus. And so, that is the work of of the Spirit through the Word in us. So, yeah, just to affirm all that stuff. Yeah, that's good. So we talked about some of the obstacles people might have to confessing sin. What about obstacles to repentance, or did we hit on those already? Um, yeah, let me let me run them? through a list because okay. I, I have some, and, and they were all good. These are stuff that people shared, and so um, yeah. In terms of confession, just to hit them real quick, uh, yeah, they don't know. We hit on that. The fact that we're self-centered, like we don't always see, mm-hmm. like we think about things from our perspective and don't see that what we're doing is wrong to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a wrong. You know, that's a that's an obstacle for folks. Suffering is a, an obstacle as well. We think that we're hurting, and that's not fair. And so sometimes in our suffering, we think, well, in order for us to get better, um, or we've been wronged in some way, mm-hmm. and so now we deserve this, or we should go to get this thing, which is actually not okay. Mm-hmm. We end up sinning out of our suffering. We justify it because of our suffering. We justify it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, honestly, spiritual blindness, um, which is a condition of the fall and everything. Like That's a real thing, and I think this just like... Uh, our confidence comes from the word. Our, our confidence also has to come from the spirit in the sense that like, no matter how good of a teacher you are, you cannot lift the spiritual veil over people's eyes, right. you know, um, around those things. So those are some obstacles um, around confession that, that folks shared during our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, repentance. Yeah. Repentance. Um, the fact that the cost is just too great. Yeah. Um, you know, what you're calling me to do to, to see that this, this is an inward problem for me, um, if you're asking me to, to give this up or change or do something different, the cost is just too great. Okay, you know, I, yeah. if I if I give this thing up, it's going to have this effect on my life, and that's painful. Um, and that's true. Like yeah. your your flesh is going to grieve the loss of its idol, um, and and that's going to be painful in some ways. But that's why Jesus tells his disciples to count the cost um, of discipleship before they pick up the cross. Um, Another is uh, honestly just not being able to uh, imagine anything different, life being any different, which is also true. Like if, if you are caught in unrepentant sin, if you have, if you're been, in, you're being enslaved by sin or an idol in some way um, for an extended period of time, like you just may not be able to imagine life being anything different yeah. than what it is right now. Like you hope, don't see a way out. Yeah, you don't see a way out, and so you don't know how life can be different. So it that is an obstacle to repentance. Um, and just honestly, like being impossible to change. Like you, you just, there's no way that I can be any different. This is how God has made me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just no way that I can 
I could possibly be any different than the way that I am right now. This is just who I am. Those are all things that I've heard. I've heard out of people's yeah. mouths before and experienced, you know, I personally. I've said some of those things. I yeah. can think of things that it feels like I will, like I've said to many people before, pride is something I feel like I will struggle with until the day I die. And there are times it feels like there, I can't repent from my pride because I can't not be that way, right. which isn't true. I love, this is totally off track, but no. one of you preached, or maybe it was Matt, I can't remember, when you guys were doing the um, characteristics of God that are only his, and you preached on immutability, mm-hmm. that God never changes, I still to this day, I don't know who said it, but one of you said, like, we're not that way. We do change. And so to think that there's something about me that can never change is to completely misunderstand that that alone belongs to the Lord and I can be changed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Did you say that, Michael? Yeah. I okay. think Still, I'm sorry that I did not attribute it to you, but I think about that like I'm really upset. and I talk about it to people <laughs> my all the time. Is hurt. That changed my life to think that there's yeah. nothing about me that the Lord cannot change if that is his will for me. Yeah. That's off topic. That's good. But the other one no, you said not. before, like something people sin working for them. So maybe they can confess that my sin is wrong, but this is working for me for now. And so I don't want to repent of it. And to your point, the job mm-hmm. of the teacher is to help them play that out for the long game. Because the reality is it's probably working for you right now. If it's sin, it's not going to work for you in the long term, or at least not to the way that you think it's going to. Yeah. Which is the bigger vision of exactly the fullness of life. Absolutely. Which, which yeah. is everyone's problem all of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. I mean, I, I don't know if I would boldly declare that that's what is resolved when when we overcome the world mm-hmm. in fullness mm-hmm. at the end of days but like it is if if our vision if we could see what god sees it you know whatever if, if our vision for the fullness of life was that which christ died to give us mm-hmm. then we would walk in yeah. joyful obedience all the yeah. days of our life we just don't right That's we true. we sell gospel uh affirmations short I mean, that's what we do. We make a living yeah. off of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, lastly was faith. What are some obstacles that our hearers might have to the last piece, which is faith? Mm-hmm. Ethan, what, did we explain what faith was? Yeah, well, yeah, just that uh, if repentance is like this acknowledgement that the problem exists inside of me, mm-hmm. and that's what need, I need to turn away from that and turn towards something else. Faith is us turning towards something outside of ourselves. It's not an idol. It's not a, mm-hmm. you know, another thing, created thing, but it's turning in faith to the outward hope and help that comes from Jesus, you yeah. know, outside of us. So, I mean, a, a, some obstacles to that is just our baked in self-sufficiency. Um, we think we can do it. In some way. So we might recognize that, hey, like this is wrong. Hey, the problem does lie within me. And Okay, what do I need to do to fix this? I can this? fix it. <laughs> that's self-help. You know, that's really what that is. Um, or, you know, just in general, like, we, we look to then help outside of ourselves, but that is, it's, you know, a behavioral yeah. modification or 10 easy steps to this or here's how to get your life in order. Mm-hmm. And it it sounds nice and it sounds easy and doable, but all of those things, apart from internal gospel change, um, really just leads you back to, oh, well, <laughs> like I can have confidence in what I can do and what other people tell me to do or in what this other person besides Jesus says that I should be doing, you know? Yeah. And so it's it's not actually giving us faith in the object, which is the person of and work of Jesus, that can actually save us mm-hmm. and change us and all those things. It's in other stuff. And then it takes us back a step because that's not even true repentance. That's exchanging one sin for another. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah. So you've just taken yourself back a step. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, and so just one thing to even acknowledge in all these obstacles, like these are not things aside from 
honestly, spiritual blindness and yeah. and spiritual change, like the actual changing component in and of itself. Like these things are not are not actual obstacles that can prevent people full stop from coming to see their need for Jesus. Um, these are opportunities that we get to paint as teachers to say, you don't know? Well, like here, now you know. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. You're self-centered? Well, here, let us let me paint out this picture for you how this affects uh, other people. God sees your suffering, right? And he has a remedy for that that's better than the sin that you're going to to try to make yourself feel better. Or uh, if the cost is too great to what you already said, play that out. You know, and see what the cost actually is of you continuing to do what you're doing now because it's going to be greater down the road than what it is to turn and follow Jesus. Or you can't imagine anything different. Let me show you what your life could be like. Mm-hmm. I know you don't believe this right now, but I believe this for you. Um, those sorts of things like are, are opportunities for us as teachers to make it visible and help people to see what they just sometimes can't see on their own by the power of the Spirit. Yep. So That's good. All right, here's our last question. We're going to hit our time and go over. That's okay. Um, we've identified what informational and transformational teaching are. We've talked about why they're both important. And we've discussed what barriers our hearers might have to receiving them. Lastly, how do we actually make our teaching transformative based on true information? Mm-hmm. So another way to say that is how do we actually use these ideas that we've discussed as teachers? Yeah. <clears throat> which uh, I made this comment to Scott, which uh, it was a, a humorous observation. Even as I was sitting in the round table interacting and watching Scott in his element, you know, like uh, teach heart level stuff. And my, my occurrence was like, Scott is showing people how people change. We didn't get too much to like kick around like, so what do you do with this? Right. <laughs> you know, like, which, which is so Scott. <laughs> <laughs> not not that he's void of application, but it was just his like. If he if he gets those things, then the outworking is yeah. you know what I'm saying. And yeah. and so for me, like my brain goes to like the point of teaching, <laughs> that's supplemented by what Scott was yeah. leveraged, and and he goes to those things which, mm-hmm. which can flow yeah. out teaching or. Counselor. You know, does that make sense? That's why it's a round table. <laughs> <laughs> this octagonal table. You got some rough edges. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I just like I thought that was not not even funny, but just like insightful. Um, because ever like that's, but that's the thing. You have as diverse, uh, like a hundred times over. Any time if you're speaking to a room full of people, people process in different mm-hmm. ways. And, yeah. and so like I don't know. It's just kind of. Cool for me. Um, and at one point, I did text Kelly. You didn't reply, so I Sorry. just had to go over and talk typing. to her. <laughs> so I, I said, are we... Because I couldn't remember Kelly put together the schedule of like the topics for the year. And I said, are we talking about setting tension in another one? Because for me, I can't... They're not devoid of one another. Yeah. Like, I can't... And she said, yeah, you're teaching. I'm teaching that. And so, you're the only one that understands <clears throat> what that means. And so... So, but for me, it kept going back to, so how do we do this? Well, you have to, I mean, I, I will tease this stuff out when we get to, but you have to create tension mm-hmm. and, and you have to, um, you have to understand the text and you have to understand the hearer. Now that's true. You and teaching your kids. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to understand those things, right. but in a, in a more formal context, you have to understand the text and that is, hear me on this, the work to be done mm-hmm. from the teacher. Mm-hmm. None of this, we talk about this stuff like it's just 
Oh, just some natural. None of it is natural. This is this is the the hard work of teaching, in any context is is understanding what is in the text. Mm-hmm. That's what like keeps me up at night and makes me bang my head on the desk. And but it's just looking at it in a way. What is here, and and I I mean I didn't want to say these things because we'll get to them. But like understanding the universal truths mm-hmm. that we see in the text for those in the original context, mm-hmm. and so. If that's too flowery, like when you read uh, an Old Testament prophet and, and they're talking about some people being dealing with whatever, you have to get to what they were dealing with. And in particular, not just observing it, but what heart issues was the spirit up to in that mm-hmm. context. And when you can declare that in a way that, that you, can, you can also say it true for the people in the room that you're teaching... Then you're like, okay. Then you are, I would say, primed to teach in a way that transforms. Mm -hmm. Because you've gotten the difference between God's demand and the way that people live. If it was true 3,000 years ago in in the ancient ancient Near East, it's going to be true today. Mm -hmm. And it's going to look different. But but that's the work of the teacher to, to get those things to bear. And so for me, then it just becomes a matter of identifying that. Um, being pointed in your teaching, and again, you can say lots of things. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle, Kelly, you know I struggle <laughs> with saying all the things, you know. But, but you get to illuminate that tension point um, that, that's the, the discrepancy between God's demand and, and the way that we live. Um, and then you get to let the text lead us to gospel truths, which ultimately um, free us to live changed lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think um, I'm trying to think in terms of things that speak to all the different levels of teaching in some ways. I think by and large, like, folks come to life uh, assuming lots of stuff. And so I think, again, like in that Paul Tripp video, he just kind of drives home this idea of, like, we get to help people see things for the way that they really are. And so I think even, like, what we see Jesus do in a lot of the New Testament is he takes some of the commandments that were you know, as we're recording this, we're walking through the Ten Commandments right now, and he takes them and, like, goes deeper <laughs> with them and says, hey, you've heard it said this, like, but this is really getting at this thing. And so part of, I think, teaching, whether it's one-on-one stuff, parenting, teaching, preaching, whatever, is to, like, to preach the full scope of whatever is in the Scriptures, to help, don't assume, and help people see what is true, the life that God has called us to, like, in a clear way. Um, that might actually challenge, <laughs> and th- th- this this comes with like knowing your audience, which yeah. we didn't hit on a ton, but like this just so helpful if you actually know the people that you're talking to or teaching to. Um, it's it's much easier to do this, but to help reframe for them what they might miss even in what's good and true. But then the problem, like everyone almost probably knows that there are problems in life, and what you get to do is help reframe those problems again from being problems that are circumstantial and outside of yourself to the deepest problem is the one that's actually inside of you. Um, You can't necessarily change circumstance, but you can certainly change the way that you respond to it, how you see it, how you worship through it, all those things. So it's almost a reframing then of what the real problem is, you know, when it comes to teaching and preaching. And then like, and I think this is like sometimes a, a step that we miss, but I think this is super helpful and super practical is that when you reframe what's good and true when you reframe the problem in some way our flesh is automatically wanting to to go 
to solutions that look exactly like <laughs> the problem <laughs> that we had before. And so I think we have to like call out in some ways, you're going to want to do this and you're going to want to do this. And there's two ditches probably on the side of whatever road you think you have to walk to make things better. And you get to say, and, and neither one of those things is actually it. <laughs> <laughs> because those are things operating out of your flesh. So you get to say how, how show how people would cope with this in a way that's not rooted in the scriptures, that's not flowing from the gospel, not trusting in him, but then going to how Jesus really does satisfy whatever whatever it is that we think that we need, frees us from whatever it is that we think is enslaving us and empowers us with whatever it is that we think that we need to, to live in the way that we're supposed to do. If we know that, then we can like, not just preach the gospel, but then show them, uh, use our imagination and show them like what, what life in the gospel actually looks like, you know? Um, so that's, yeah, I don't know if that's hits on that, but helpful. Yeah. I had a couple like burrow below the surface, like get beyond the shallows. And I think it's probably the difference between what I would say is like superficial teaching Mm -hmm. is like, okay, you made some observations and like Mm -hmm. in it, and use some alliteration in your points or something, you know, like (laughs) that's really great or whatever. But like, and and I think just very practically as you, if you're a group leader and you prepare one, one, maybe three words, aim, uproot, replace Mm -hmm. might be a thing. What are you aiming at? And again, you have to know what the text is aiming at. Right. Um, But the way that this shows up for me in some of the more pastoral Maybe like application points is is a, after I understand something, I kind of write out what, you know, I'm, I'm writing the sermon, what I'm going to say or whatever. And then there are just, I'm looking for spaces to just burrow a bit. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, those are not necessarily, uh, in the Greek, it's like, I'm not burrowing to like, <laughs> which is fine, you know, but I'm, yeah. I'm not burrowing to like tease out some nuance that might, that may, I, I use the, I was say jokingly like people talking about the tassels of Jesus's robe and they spend 12 minutes talking. It's fine. The tassels, I'm sure they were really important. Was that why it was in the text? Probably not, you know? (laughs) And so like, rather than burrowing there, um, burrow into people's lives with words. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so like, with words. (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I mean, really, you know? And so you're just thinking, what does this just sit in? What does this really mean? I'm going to declare something. Yeah. You're a teacher. You're going to declare things. When you declare something, say, what does this really mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just try to sit with those people that you're communicating with and say, man, okay, so how does this, okay. And then you can kind of like find ways in, mm-hmm. not just to be deep, yeah. but like to, to let it go deeper than just, hey, lying is bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, that, that is the challenge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, and this is, might sound really goofy, but to that point, um, I think imagination <laughs> is incredibly helpful with this, not for novelty, mm-hmm. not to come up with new stuff, but when I think about like the promises, uh, the pictures that like the prophets paint of what life is going to be like, like when we were going through Micah, mm-hmm. preaching through like, man, everyone's going to get to sit underneath the shade of his tree and like just those the pictures of all that stuff, like they're to people who were exiled and dealing with like the destruction of their homeland. You know, like there is an imagination that I think we get to bring. That's not, again, not for novelty sake, but a spirit driven, like, do you even know what your life could look like? 
do you even know how free you could be right now in the midst of whatever crappy circumstance you're in, uh, whatever you're suffering, whatever you don't have or you're lacking right now? Do you know how free you could be? Yes, Jesus sees you when you're suffering and he cares about that. And that one day that will that will be taken away from you. Like even imagination for that. But imagination right here and now about how spirit-filled living, like rooted in the gospel, might actually look like for people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes we miss that and we're just sort of working with the pieces that we naturally have in front of us and we forget that our faith is supernatural yeah. and that there is a piece that surpasses understanding and all those things that get to get to bring to bear and bear fruit in our life. Um, and so even having imagination as you're teaching around that to give your folks not just like a, a great picture of their idolatry um, and all the ways that like, you know, their sin might be wrecking their life and everybody else's and how they're really motivated out of unbelief. But like you have to also give them an even greater picture of, of the freedom and the sweetness of living in the spirit and from the gospel. Um, that is what's going to bring them relief. That's what's going to draw them to putting their faith, you know, in Christ, not just for the first time, but for the millionth time to move right. from unbelief to belief in their sanctification hoping that they might actually grow in their maturity in Christ, which is the aim of all this stuff in the first place. So, Absolutely. The only thing I'll add, which I don't think we said already, but that we have to pray. So we have to pray while we're Absolutely. prepping to yeah. teach. We have to pray right before we teach. We have to pray probably while we're teaching, and then we have to pray after we've taught. And I was trying to find the verse. I can never remember where it is, even though it's one of my favorites. But there's somewhere in the New Testament where it talks about the Holy Spirit being the one that recalls to us the words of Jesus or recalls to us the text. Or maybe can we put that in the show notes too once I find it after the fact? <laughs> I was trying not to flip too loudly, but um, so just and I think we talked about that on Sunday. Just remembering that our the power of our teaching isn't in us. It's not in the teacher. It's not in the craftiness of your illustration or in the alliteration that you come up with or mm-hmm. how long or short your notes or how many post-it notes you can get down to or whatever. The power in teaching comes from the Holy Spirit who uses the words of God. And so absolutely, just remembering that as a teacher, whether it's with your kids in your living room, whether it's with um, your coworker or your the person in class next to you that you're meeting to do a Bible study or whether you are someone preaching on a stage, it's all the same. The power is the Holy Spirit, and we get to rely on Him to use whatever we do well, whatever we mess up on, and make good of it anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really good. Like, I say this, well, I'm sure we'll say this many times over throughout the next, you know, year and hitting on these things, but illustrations or points of application or, you know, creativity and whatever, those are not the, the starting point. Those all supplement the text. Yes. Mm-hmm. Never the other way around. And I mean... I know many preachers, I'm sure you guys do as well, teachers who start with some, I was looking at the clouds and they look like a whatever, and I want to <laughs> I want to preach a sermon series on God forming the heavens. Like, oh, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, start with the word. Don't let the word justify your what extraneous whatever. And yeah. so... Let Listen, it, I feel a little seen now because I'm really excited about this idea of water for rooted, and I'm trying to come up with a whole three-month series about the Jordan River and wells and boats, Michael, okay? But, oh, I but it starts in the Bible, at least. You know. what, and what did I tell you? <laughs> I think it could be cool. Oh, that is so From funny. the text. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying, honestly. Yeah, I'm An illustration, kidding. whatever, any, yes, no, those totally things kidding. supplement declared truth from God in yeah. his word. Yes. We don't use the word to fit into our, Absolutely. you know, yes, yeah, hobby horses or whatever. And yeah, the power we doesn't come we from. conform to him and it. Yeah, it doesn't conform yeah. to us. Yeah, yeah. faux show. 
feels like a good place to end. You guys got yeah. anything that would keep us from that? It's <laughs> a good first half. You ready for the second half? <laughs> it's shorter than the last time. I'm proud of that. Yeah, well, we cut yeah. off like a solid six. That's technically minutes. true. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tease up for what's next month? Oh, yep, next month, the third Sunday. I think it's March 21st. We are going to talk about building a frame for unity. So finding unity in the text that we're teaching, and then how the frame we build should support that one idea. And I'm teaching it mostly because this is something that has been helpful and for no reason or not at all because it's something I'm good at so I will be learning alongside you but I do think it's something that I'm working on and that something is oh my gosh we've, I've been talking too long if we work on as teachers I think it's helpful and being effective yes that sounds somewhat exciting thanks for listening guys I uh, just want to give a shout out to those who showed up um, were able to come on Sunday I mean they like literally I had notes and stuff I had the meat of our conversation I hadn't planned at all and so like just really good to like show up and have lively fluid conversations with folks about this stuff and so yeah thanks for showing up and if uh, you've not been able to come to one and are interested um, again join us for the next one on March 21st after the gathering Um, yeah thanks for listening hopefully this is helpful in some way shape or form if you have questions about anything don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, happy to talk to you individually. Or uh, if you want to in on the group me, we can throw you in there as well for the teaching roundtable. We'd love to, to add you in there. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.